Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Dolce Gabbana, Versace. Here at Best Pictures, these name brands don't mean much to us. And even as we are recording this episode, I'm probably pronouncing at least one of their names wrong. We're more comfortable in Old Navy, The Gap, or clothing from theme park gift shops. But to Miranda Priestley, Andy, Emily, and Nigel, these brands are everything. As we've already discussed, 2006 was full of some great films. We've talked about Secret Catholic Luchadors, An Apocalyptic London, Two Unstable Magician, and Boston Rats. This week, for our final episode of the 2006 series, we're taking a deep dive into the world of fashion. For our bonus episode, we're talking about a film which made a cultural splash, but one that we aren't necessarily considering in our search for the best movie of all time. We're talking about The Devil Wears Prada. Florals for spring? Groundbreaking. This is Best Pictures, the podcast where we pick our favorite movies for every year we've been alive. I'm Cody Lunsford, and I am joined, as always, by... I'm Chad, and... Are are you wearing the the Chanel boots? Yeah. I'm Mark. <laughs> Good. This is not the one I thought you guys were going to do. There was some exchange. I mean, this oh, is a pretty iconic exchange. It's it's a meme now. It's Is uh, it? I've definitely seen this memed. I don't remember what the jokes were, but it's always like she's wearing something else, not not Chanel boots. It's usually like a joke about something political or something i don't know let me let me, i'll try uh, to find some jokes um but tell us what the podcast is while i do that okay so this podcast it's best pictures we try and find the movie the best that is of every year we've been alive um and we are in our 2006 series and we've already done talked about a bunch of boy movies and so it's time for for bonus picky time, and we decided um, let's have let's talk about one movie where if there's women in it, they are alive for most of it. Hey, or, Nacho Libre has a, a female character, Encarnacion. Okay, or who are just love interest because the departed also has a female character in it but i don't uh, the the woman in uh i mean you're right none of these movies handle women (laughs) particularly well but the the woman in children of men doesn't die at the end and isn't a romantic interest Okay. Huh? She, okay. Okay. She's, I mean, she's fair? just a pregnant body. Okay. Okay. I, do we want to invoke I, the test? This is the one movie that covers the Bechdel test, which is not the most perfect test because there's a lot more you can do than no, but that. Yeah. But this does, which is, you know, a change of pace. For, I don't know. Maybe it's regressive of me to say that the rest of the movies we covered are boy movies. They just kind of felt like it when I was, like, looking at I the mean, list. Yeah, I mean, I think that's regressive, but I would, you know, I think that this was considered a chick flick. Um, it it like was. It's, what's interesting is it's not a rom-com. Not a rom-com at all. It's, in fact, it's definitely the rom elements flick. of this movie fucking suck. Yeah, it's the worst. <laughs> um, so I found some memes. Uh, okay. 
meme corner. They weren't uh, like as political as I thought as I thought I remembered them being. I didn't remember what they were, but here here that here's two that I found. They were more about coronavirus at the sort of beginning of it when we had more of a sense of humor about it. Um, it is this one is are you wearing the the N95? Yeah, I am. And they're they're all <laughs> they all got That's masks funny. photoshopped on, which is which is good. And then this one is uh, no masks photoshopped on, but are you wearing the same sweatpants as yesterday? Yeah, I am. So, you, okay. you know, some, some coronavirus right. Right. quarantine humor brought on by the Devil Wears Prada. And I feel like I get it more now. Um, I mean, this is inarguably a pretty iconic movie. Like, capital yeah. iconic. Um I was definitely familiar with kind of how this movie worked and what kind of characters were in this movie before I watched it. Yeah. And I mean, I think I put on my Letterboxd review and I've mentioned to you that like I couldn't help but think of Michael Scott the entire time because there's that episode where he's like watching The Devil Wears Prada in like little segments and he comes in. Yes. Just tre- treating it's either Pam or Aaron. I think it's Pam. It's Pam. Treating it's Pam her like I, shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, I actually just watched that episode not that long ago mm-hmm. because I am doing my only rewatch of Office that I've ever done. Um, and we got to that part and it's really funny. And then he yeah. gets to the end of the movie and realizes she's the villain. Which and like, like, oh. In what way is it a twist ending that she's like <laughs> right. a heartless, mean boss? But right. I mean, sure. I think the ending actually humanizes her for yeah. the first time. Yeah, the she's twist is that no she, like, longer just a villain. <laughs> right. The twist right. is that she like supports Anne Hathaway's character even after all they went through. Uh, yeah, and we'll and we'll get into um, yeah, yeah. how. Um, how dodgy I kind um, of find that and uh, that, that particular I, I do want to address the, the listeners are probably curious. We've been quoting The Office, talking about memes. Yes, we are millennials. So oh, that answers God. that question. I know. I know. I, I feel bad. To be fair, us. I'm the one that brought up both the Chanel Boots meme and I brought You're up right. The Office episode. So I'm a piece of shit. You guys... <laughs> Are still. We're fine. I didn't say piece of shit. I said millennial. <laughs> right, Same right. Thing. I said piece of shit, though. All right. Um, um, so, speaking of being pieces of shits, yeah. theaters are open, and <laughs> some of us may or may have not uh, attended. Um, but some of us may have gotten in our cars and driven to. Um, our local um, outdoor megaplexes, which uh, are colloquially known as drive-ins. Anyway, boys, <laughs> yeah. what did you guys see at the megaplex? See, what's fun, I like when I'm talking to just say as many words <laughs> as possible to get the message across. I mean, um, <laughs> what do you think my fucking job is here? <laughs> it, insert... Uh, Mission Impossible Fallout meme. That's the job. And it's me. Putting yeah, in I as guess many words if we wanted like an efficient podcast, we'd just be Devil Wears Prada. Good, good, okay. Yeah, I <laughs> don't think efficient it. and podcast like yeah. go in the same sentence unless it's like the fucking uh, what's the uh, NPR Up podcast? I, yeah, exactly. Up, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those five minute like here are the news. Those are the only efficient podcast. Anyway, anyway, Chad, we're um, actually going to talk about your movie for a long time. Let's go with my movie first because it'll be quick. Oh, okay, what did you see at the Megaplex? 
I spent 30 fucking buckaroos oh, yeah. <laughs> to see a little uh, uh, a sword slasher called Mulan. Um, here's some good things about it. Swords. Yeah. And you do, fighting. You do <laughs> tend to like those. We do have Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl at the number one movie of all time slot. I am not yes. the only person and who it's voted for mostly that. because of the swords. <laughs> it uh, was unanimous. Fair. Just a reminder. <laughs> but was, I yes, did a take unanimous. back C at the end because it felt wrong that it was unanimous. I also did a take back C like uh, three episodes later nope. when I thought Titanic <laughs> was, should have won. Right. But it, it but, was but unanimous. But that's not how it works. That's yeah. not how it works. It's about the um, heat of the moment. This podcast, um, Mulan, also has a witch in it, which is fun. That's spooky. I don't know. It's 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 weird because I kind of think, you know, there's been all those conversations about the theatrical experience and stuff like that. I think it's a movie that I would have enjoyed a lot more in theaters, but at home, sitting there watching it, I just was like, okay, like it. It, it's kind of cookie cutter in ways that would be fine in a theater because in a theater I'm still watching a big action movie and it's fine. Mm. But in a movie or like um, like just sitting on the couch at my house watching it, it just was nowhere near as, as fun as I thought it could be. But it's not horrible. It's maybe the best of the... Uh, probably not the best, but it's close to one of the best of the live-action remakes, which is a pretty low bar. What is the best? Um, I need to rewatch Pete's Dragon because I didn't like it initially, but I watched it at my grandmother's house, which smelled like dog piss and was 90 Hmm. degrees um, while I watched it with my entire family. It was horrible circumstances to watch it under. Um. Oh, Christopher Robin is the best one. Obviously. Oh, if we're counting that in your live, which action I do, remakes, yeah, yeah, it's it's a little it's, different because it's doing. Different it's not things, a remake. It's a live yeah. action sequel. Whatever. Yeah. It's still a live action like reimagining. Because I put Maleficent in there, and that's not quite a remake. Um. Yeah, but this is probably the best if you cut Christopher Robin out. Um. Slightly better than Aladdin. Um. Which I hated a lot. You hated. I didn't hate it. I thought it was. I had fun moments. Um, directed very strangely, which this one also has moments that are very strangely directed, especially in the beginning. Um, huh. But I don't know. There's there's cool parts, and they do some things that kind of switch things up. But you do miss the songs, which I saw a lot of people complaining about, which is a little frustrating to me because. People complaining about the lack of songs were also people complaining that <laughs> the movies are right, too similar. And right. it's like, okay, well, come on. <laughs> like, we got to no, do one, I something. Would, I would rather have a movie. I haven't seen Milan, but I would rather have a movie like Milan where you're doing something different and you're not just making the same movie. It's again. definitely different. Yeah. It's definitely different. They kind of make give her a chosen one narrative, which I don't necessarily Weird. love. I kind of like her being a nobody. I mean, they they kind of do the Rise of Skywalker thing where Mulan, which other people have pointed out, that's not my idea, but where Ray was a nobody and then actually she's important 
Um, and with Mulan, they kind of do a similar thing where in the cartoon, she just decided to be a Yeah, Mulan. like that kind of sucks. Because like, it's not it's, great. It's, awesome it's really not great. She can just decide to be great and she just does it in spite of literally everybody. But for him to be destined to be great. Yeah. yeah, and it's weird, and I didn't really dive into it. So this is me diving into it now and thinking about it. But the fact is, so she has chi. So she has a special amount of chi um, that allows her to fight better than anyone else. And the witch also uses chi. So they're trying to draw parallels between two women who are ostracized are for choosing to fight. Mm, they don't say those words, but... Um, but now that I think about it, the fact that they have to give her chi in order for it to, like, make sense that this girl is good at fighting is not great. And I, I had mean, not even thought about that before. But that's kind of what they do. Yeah. And that's weird. They That's what, like, not just Disney, but I'll, I'll pick on Disney a little bit. That That's what they feel like they have to do now, it seems like, because of, like, the pushback against characters like Ray. Who Where are they just were like, she's good a and Mary cool. Sue or bullshit. Yeah. Well, you got people complaining yeah. online about like, no, you need to explain why she's good at fighting and flying. It's like, yeah, okay. it's crazy. The biggest proponent of that argument uh, is now off of Twitter because he's hiding from everyone because of lots of sexual assault allegations. It's almost like that argument was Wait, in bad who? faith. Lax Mandis. Oh, okay. allegedly. <laughs> Well, did he really get that like started? Kind of. Yes, whole... he was the big gotcha. Ray as a Mary Sue person. Um, I mean, fun M- Mary. I don't know. That's just such a dumb thing. Like, it's stupid. Know. We can we can complain about it all day and about how Han Solo was just good at flying, and no one ever thought it was right. weird. Well, Luke, Luke is the biggest like yeah. Mary Sue of all time. If you mm-hmm. want to use that. Uh, bad term. Um, but yeah, I actually hadn't really sat with that, that they like, she's not just good at fighting because she's good at fighting. She's good at fighting because she's magical and she's specifically special. In the cartoon, didn't she like kind of secretly teach herself how to use a sword like early Mm -hmm. in the movie? Yeah, I think there was some like she, you know, her dad and stuff like that. But yeah, Yeah. she learned how to do it all. That's cool. And it wasn't. I'm going to rewatch the 90s Mulan. I would watch this one. It's interesting. And and I would love to hear some more takes on kind of the thorniness of that. Um, The horniness of that. The thorniness of that. Because not a lot of people seem to watch this movie. So there wasn't a lot of discussion around it. But. A movie there was a lot of discussion about. Mm-hmm. A lot of hand-wringing about whether or not it was good to go to is uh, Mark's movie. So, unsurprising to everyone, I went and saw Tenet. Because uh, it's a Nolan movie and I just knew that I would regret it if I did it. Although I did wait until the second weekend it was out. Thinking mm-hmm. that that would help a little bit. And also just not having the energy to go the first weekend. Uh, state of the world, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, Wait, what, what's going what on? are you referring to? <laughs> we suck. Sorry. Keep going, Mark. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, going the second weekend, I imagine helped, but the theater was still pretty full. There was like a group of maybe like 10 high schoolers that oh, shit. Uh, were eating snacks on the way in, which meant mm. no mask. Mm, um, which is fun. So uh, it's cool. I sat in the very far back, so no one was breathing towards me. Yeah, but, my theater was pretty spread out. I, I was 
I didn't have any issues, but I, I'm sure it's not that case. How has that been for the most part? I haven't been to a theater yet because in L.A. they're not open, so I couldn't if I wanted to. But, like, are people mostly following guidelines and stuff? Like, I know these kids were, like, eating crap, but... Yeah, in my experience, yes, but Mark's experience may be different. Well, I mean, I don't really know. I just saw them when I was walking in, and they had their masks off. And I don't know if that changed when the movie started or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is that, like, you only have to wear a mask when you're not eating or drinking. Um, but also, if you're an AMC A-list member, you get free food or drink. Um, Whoa. So, I mean, you get, like, a $10 credit, I think. I don't know. My skills yeah, are free. Yeah, you got a That's credit. all I know. Yeah. Um, but I ate Skittles just like... Holding my breath and putting a skill in my mouth. And That's then how I did the popcorn. Yeah. Never even, ta- never even so taking the mask fully off. So unpleasant. It was fine. It was fine. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that was the movie, Mark. It was fine. Uh, <laughs> That's kind of where I landed on it. I thought I liked it a ton when I walked out. And then I've just sat with it over the past two weeks and been like, that's oh, fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know what all it was trying to say and that's both because it didn't feel like it was saying anything huge and also because i didn't fully know what everyone was saying at every moment yeah um because nolan likes to just like bury his audio his dialogue in the audio tracks um and also i have grown reliant on subtitles um so that's me um i mean i was able to follow it I would be interested in seeing it again yeah. with subtitles, yeah. but also so I could kind of follow some of the – I mean, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that there are, like, time travel yeah. Wait, in it. What? No, shut up. He um, that. So I would be – I'd be interested just to watch it again to kind of know a little bit better what's happening while watching it. Yeah, um, a bit. But I was – I could I, – I didn't leave the theater – being confused about the plot. No, me either. I knew everything that ha- everything that happened that mattered. There may be like a few specifics I didn't know 100%, but like I got it. It's just I, it, you kind of hit the nail on the head, Mark, and I hadn't really thought about it in those terms, but you're right. I don't know what it's trying to say, and maybe it's because it's the first Nolan movie where they don't just say the thesis statement at the end. Well, they um, they they kind of they talk about like what what's happened happened a lot right but um, it's like so so the prestige is about obsession and the dark knight movies yeah. are a little bit about the same thing and inception is about like trauma and memories and dreams and all of that stuff and interstellar is about love which is why you know there is the love is the time bookshelf thing which like seems cheesy but it's actually you know kind of cool yeah i mean it's about uh, love and sacrifice and like doing something that's going to help long term but and and, and and dunkirk is about like how you know an entire nation can kind of rally around you know yeah people. it's about like despair and i mean I could go into the themes of dunkirk and all of these movies but 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 Tenet, Tenet, i'm just like because i've it, watched it once but it's like I mean, I guess it's about maybe, like, regret. 
But barely. Tenet just kind of feels like it's about time travel. It sort of just feels like it is what it is, and it's nothing bigger, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, Nolan is one of the guys that I'm like... Same with, like, Spike Lee. When I watched The the Five Bloods, I was like, you know, I feel like on second watch, I would get more out of this. Yeah, maybe. And, like, I want to give him benefit of the doubt where, like, he's a great director, and I have to assume that he was going for something, and I just... It didn't connect with me. Yeah. Um, But that's kind of where I'm at with Tenet right now. I, I think I agree. It kind of reminded me of Inception when I walked out of it, which is a movie that I... I waver back and forth on quite a bit, but I'm a lot cooler too than a lot of people. And it, it reminded me a lot of that kind of in a similar way where like the last bit of it, I'm just like, okay, I, I in inception, it's the, the, the ski snow area where I'm like, I don't fucking care about anything that's happening right now. And there's a moment in Tenet that gets like that. And I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, let's just get to the end. I, well, no, I like, know. I agree. Like, the final set piece of Tenet, there was a bunch of stuff that was going on that I was like, this looks cool, but I don't fully understand, A, what's happening, and B, like, the point of what's happening. Yeah. And there was, like, definitely a point where they were telling you everything. And yeah. it was all kind of like mumbo jumbo, but also like mumble jumbo. <laughs> it's where definitely I could not mumble figure jumbo. out what was happening. Yeah. Uh, I like that term. Mumble need jumbo. To, I need to look into because there are ways to get subtitles in movie theaters. Yeah. I think they have to like give you something that has the closed captions on it. I think they that's do. like a pair of I need to figure out how something? to get my hands on one of those. Something. Something. They have special closed caption specific ones. But, like, I don't know. It's kind of a Nolan problem. He does this. I mean, he did it with Bane until enough people complained that he went back in the sound mix and boosted it before the movie actually came out. What we saw was, like, an improvement on the original cut with Bane? Yes. They released the IMAX preview with uh, Ghost Protocol. Yeah, no, I remember that. And people were like, and it was the airplane sequence uh-huh. in Dark Knight Rises, and people were like, "We cannot fucking understand a single word Bane says." That was the main reaction coming out of it, oh, and then they boost his audio. Um, I don't. I didn't so know Nolan, this. That's incredible. Yep, Nolan does this mumble shit all the time, and I like honestly wonder if his hearing is fucked up, yeah. and he can hear it fine. I. I don't Or know. if he just can't hear anything and he just assumes Yeah, maybe that it's that's fine. how everything sounds to him. So he's like, yeah, it sounds like when pe- normal people talk. And we're all <laughs> like, like... He just hires a bad sound mixer or something? I don't know. Dunkirk has great sound, though. Um, but Tenet, I, I, the ending is when it's real mumbled. But there are certain dialogue scenes where I was like... Okay, I can make out what they're saying, but barely. Um, yeah, the 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 like music would be way overpowered or something like that. And I saw it in IMAX, where supposedly the sound Same. is the best it could be. Yeah, and it was not ideal. Um, hmm. So I, I think in in closing, like I'm happy I saw it. I same. would probably still regret it if I didn't see it. Same. But like, if you're super nervous about theaters, 
I imagine, I mean, like, look, this movie has made $20 million over two weeks. I in the U.S. $18 million in the U.S. But yeah. they, in two weeks, they have not hit what they wanted to hit on opening weekend. Yeah. Um, I mean, so duh. it's gonna it's gonna be on VOD sooner rather than later. No, like Chad, they're like adjusted goal. Like, oh, so like, like their COVID goal. Ideally, they probably yeah. wanted to hit like at least two hundred mil the first weekend. With COVID, there were like twenty mil first weekend as a success, and they hit like eight opening Jeez. weekend for such an expensive like, movie. <laughs> It like, and New Mutants in the have world? almost grossed the same amount, which shouldn't be happening. No, that's horrible because nobody cares about New Mutants, and so many people were excited about Tenet. I think, like, I saw New Mutants. Uh, yeah, I saw New Mutants. <laughs> I think, like, it. I paid to see New Mutants. <laughs> um, I didn't see <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, you didn't, but you saw it. Um, I don't know. Maybe like the bigger cities that are still closed could have helped this movie. Hit I think twenty so. million. I mean, I'm sure it would have helped. I mean, I mean, maybe, but like eight is rough. On, like when I when I was telling people that I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go see Tenet tonight. All of them, I thought that at least one of them would be like, oh, like what time? And they'd all be like, okay, uh, hope that's cool. Like, like literally, none of my friends who I I think would normally want to see this were even like interested in seeing this. Hey they guys, I'm a like. Honestly, like, I mean, it's your choice, so. Yeah, guys, I'm a dumb fuck. New Mutants has made 30 worldwide, and Tenet has made 200 million plus worldwide. It just has only made 30 in the U.S., so I had those mixed up. New Mutants had, like, 15 U.S., so, I mean, it's making more than New Mutants, which, that's good, at least. Not a ton more than, I mean. But honestly, that. It seems like a ton right now, That adjusted amount sounds about right, like. Yeah, honestly, because like you don't expect two hundred million to make, worldwide is not. You don't horrible. expect Tenet to make like you know Avengers money, even without COVID. No, and it and it wasn't going to make a billion. I don't think it was going to make a billion anyway. But it probably would have hit like four or five normally. Yeah, so, I mean so, easily. So if they could get it to three fifty, they'll only lose a little bit. I, I mean, I I think I would have paid thirty dollars for Tenet, but I'm not going to pay thirty dollars for Mulan, especially with the reactions to. Mulan. Do you think they do yeah. like a a re-release of Tenet down the road where yeah. it's like maybe like now you can get the full theater experience on Nolan's big blockbuster Tenet? Yeah, when I, I mean, maybe, whenever you can fill a theater, maybe and, like February, yeah. February twenty twenty two. But like <laughs> the the thing is that they're pushing all of these movies back. Yeah. Right, that like that's my the schedule is gonna be packed. Fucking so it's gonna bold. have to like, be like a slow part of a year that is non COVID. So twenty twenty two. Because no, like, I mean I I think that next summer we will have movies. Hopefully, knock on wood. But we like. Will. We will. This fall, we'll have movies. Or, sorry, this winter, we might have movies. We will have movies for Christmas. We will have movies for Christmas, and we will have indies, is kind of what I'm expecting at this point. Um, And then we'll have, you know, some of the random smaller ones. Like, Death on the Nile's gonna come out. It'll probably make the same amount it would have, no matter what. (laughs) Um, You know, it's like, nah, whatever. Um, But, yeah, that's kind of what I'm predicting at this point but it seems like the streamers are just going to run away with uh 
with the Oscars this year. Crazy. Um, speaking of the streamers yep. running away with the Oscars this year. I, I said that, but I was like, never mind. It's not going to happen. It's a Charlie Kaufman movie. It's not going to happen. But uh, what did you watch? I watch. I, I I took a, a little drive down to uh, Tulsi Town, and I saw I'm Thinking of Ending Things. I stayed at home, and I watched the movie. Yeah. Ending things. Yeah. That's um, fine. Yeah. Tulsi Town was a good bit. I like that part. <laughs> when Clemens is singing the Tulsi Town song in the car. That's it. And it's animated. I love it. Yeah, the it. animated port that was also great. Yeah. Uh That's good. It's a weird movie. It's a very weird movie. I you know, I I, I kind of heard the buzz. A, a couple of critics were calling it like the least accessible Charlie Coffin movie. And I think it. I don't I, think that's true. I uh, I one hundred percent think it's true. I, yeah. <laughs> huh. Chad, you've seen Synecdoche, yeah. right? Interesting. See, that's the one that I find I, completely inaccessible to me. I feel like I should rewatch Synecdoche. It's very good because I could like parse this movie in like, I mean, what's happening as well as like I think what it was trying to say. Yeah. Um, whereas with Synecdoche, I I felt like uh, insulted by it or like talked <laughs> yeah. down to by it yes, in a way that same. I think that maybe I might have been misreading it. Ah, uh, so it's like I I feel like yeah. I should rewatch it, you but should, also like I don't necessarily. You want should rewatch to. it. I it was very effective for me, and I re- I really liked it. Um, I don't know that I need it right now, yeah, especially after watching this movie <laughs> and really liking it. I don't I don't so. Even though I like this movie a lot, I don't really feel the need to go back to the Kaufman well. Yeah, I mean, sense. my like experience with Synecdoche, New York, is like we were probably a month into lockdowns of COVID, and I was like, I've been wanting to watch this movie. I'll watch this movie, and then like, because I, I think I watched it because I couldn't sleep at night, so I just threw on a movie that I had never seen before. Yeah, and it was so like daunting and like upsetting that like I couldn't sleep for another like three hours after it was over, but in the best kind of way. <laughs> um, it's a very good movie. It just had me thinking uh, about you know my own mortality, and it got me thinking about a lot of things. I'm thinking of ending things, but is the one we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was also very good. I found it to be, I guess, like, so you had read, like, a little spoiler thing before you saw it. I knew what happens in the book. I I talked to a friend who had read the book, and both of you walked away, like, fully understanding the movie and fully enjoying the movie. And I fully enjoyed it, but I wasn't quite sure I knew exactly what happened frankly um and like i talked yeah because like, my... chad texted me and he was like hey blah 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 blah, and i was like oh well blah 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 and he was like are you sure and i'm like i'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah um, can we do some can we do some spoiler talk let's because do some spoilers not skip, part of that conversation. skip ahead skip five minutes probably really i will give you a time code or i'll, <laughs> I'll say skip skip ahead this amount of time seven minutes and then I will say what it is later. Yeah, yeah, um, fair enough. Yeah. So, so, so here, uh, here's my take on what happened, and I mean, not what happened. I mean, I guess it, it was all kind of like the fantasy of yes. the janitor, yeah. yes, right? Yes. Okay. I kind of 
knew that pretty quickly, I feel. Because they introduce him very well, but he is thinking about killing himself. And that uh, okay. is the, I'm thinking of ending things, that's him in the car. But there's also... I didn't watch till the end of the credits. Chad mm. seems to think he's alive oh, at the I end. Didn't. Um, because the car turns back on. And that still may be true, but, he but was I still, still think it con- is... He's still contemplating suicide. I think sure. it is him um, trying to cr- construct a fantasy reality for himself and, as he is contemplating suicide and dying of and hypothermia. And honestly, they might have added the sound of the car. Like, Netflix might have done that without Kaufman's permission because they were like, let's make it, like, not as sad. <laughs> um, like, it, yeah. it could have been anything. Um, I think one thing we disagreed about or might have been, like interpreting differently i think you may have convinced me on this but it's to what degree jesse buckley's character oh, right. is real yes and like i thought yeah. like there's maybe a world where she actually came over and met the parents but like he's trying to like place when it is in his memory that's like slipping or you thought it you thought it was more memory and my mm-hmm. argument is it is entirely fantasy total fabrication I... yeah yeah i yeah. mean it seemed like he was kind of like fantasizing different parts of their relationship, different, like, yeah. possibilities of their relationship. And even her identity. Like, I mean, she's a poet one her minute. Names, she's a quantum physicist. Jobs, yeah. She, yeah, she has three different names uh, between Lucy, yeah. Louisa, Yvonne, and there's one other one. Um, Amy. There's, like, Amy, four or yeah, five. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, and at one point, she just becomes film critic Pauline Kael. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, you, yep. you saw that book on his bookshelf. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So and, and, he and even she, says early in the movie, like, you are ideal. Like, you are the ideal woman. Right. Um, I'm creating and, and, you to be ideal in my head. Exactly. It's, so. it's, um, and th- there's just that scene in the hallway where she kind of yells at the janitor and basically is saying, like, mm-hmm. I don't remember any interaction with this guy it right. was one of million encounters where you just walk past somebody but yeah. it, and it, it kind of insinuates she's a cute girl that he saw that he wanted to ask out and never did and now he has built this entire fantasy yes which is yeah. the one thing that i always worry about with charlie kaufman movies which are the manic pixie dream girl things but then they are always deconstructions of it, so it works better. Yeah, like he knows. For example, he knows, Eternal Sunshine or this, yeah. where on the surface it seems like the that's what it is, but both of those movies are calling out the mm-hmm. problem of that, which I I yeah like the I like a lot the kind of um, what's the word so, sort of solution to both of these characters' problems, or sort of what they both realize between Joel and Jake. Um, they both kind of realize, oh, the ideal Manic Pixie Dream Girl isn't going to solve all my problems. And Buckley's character isn't necessarily a Manic Pixie Dream Girl, but she is like sort of the idealized. She's ideal. She changes yeah. to whatever mm-hmm. he wants in that moment. Um, There's probably like a what... moment or two where she becomes that trope, maybe. Yes. I can't really, I yeah. can't really place them right now in, in my memory, but. Yeah. Um but 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 there were a couple things with like the Oklahoma stuff in it mm-hmm. that me and Chad tax uh, texted about which, where the ending of it is the character who dies in the play, which is why I was yeah. like, yeah. Chad, he, he dead. Um, yeah, and I then mean, the dream yeah. ballet is what they do in Oklahoma. And what's interesting <laughs> is I was in a version of Oklahoma. Oh, in like- Oklahoma. <laughs> Listeners, I'm sorry for that. Um, 
but like That's that, how you have to say. I it. might, I might take it Every, on the podcast. I don't know. Everything <laughs> I know about Oklahoma is from Oklahoma Junior, which I did in 2007. <laughs> so um, do people die in that one? Or yes, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, because you you can't get rid of the song. Poor Judd is dead. Yes. Although I guess Judd sings that about his own potential death. Anyway, the whole the whole thing of that character is that like he is like he just wants to be with the main girl. Right. Uh, and is, like, mad when the other guy gets with yes. her. Yes. So, like, it's weird. you know, and the whole movie is basically him, like, especially the Oklahoma parts, is him, like, watching these high schoolers yep. have, like, high school lives, which are, like, pretty naive and, uh, you know, seemingly nice. Yeah. Uh, and being jealous of them and, like, wanting to date the 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 girls in Oklahoma. Which like totally like lines up to like this Jake character who like the pretty girls at Tulsi town were like making fun of them. And you know, I don't know. There's parallels there. I'm not familiar with Oklahoma as much. Well, and so Oklahoma's kind of had a moment because there's Mm -hmm. some pretty big references to the musical in the latest season of Watchmen. Gosh, I was really, I was really hoping you were going to say, I was really hoping you were going to say Tenet. I don't, I thought no, no. But also, there has been the staging, the new staging of Oklahoma, which takes a more dark like stripped down approach and heavily mm. insinuates that Jed has a death wish and wants to die in his death scene. They 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 kind of recontextualize that which also kind of plays into this idea. Yeah. I think it's just So one other thing Judd. one yeah. other thing we haven't touched on with this ending and I think it's relevant specifically to this podcast is that he for some reason did does the, the quote the from a beautiful mind well, he the, does the nobel yeah. prize acceptance well, speech? it's, the, it's yeah. the whole scene it's like everyone's wearing shitty old people makeup in the audience yes. and he's doing like i accept this award for yeah <laughs> this very prestigious award yeah i didn't and even realize so, that but that's really and funny. i didn't Incredible. realize this until someone pointed it out but a beautiful yeah. mind won the year adaptation came out <laughs> Which uh, so he's, he's like, oh so wow, yeah, okay. Which is a very Kaufman thing to a very to do. Kaufman thing to do. I love that guy. But, and and, so and Kaufman, <laughs> Kaufman tends to annoy me, but something about, but he also often works for me, and this yeah. movie really worked for me. It's my favorite of the year so far. Believe it or not, I did not think it was going to be going in. Who knows if it has la- it will last. I saw a trailer for an Aaron Sorkin movie this week. Um <laughs> but um <laughs> Do they walk? Do they talk? Oh Chad, it looks fucking good and when you watch the trailer you may uh, join my side of it's gonna win Best Picture this year. Okay. Um it just feels like the movie that's going to and I said that you know, six months ago. It's not. It's not necessarily a walk and talk movie. It's more of a courtroom thing, which it's him going Aaron Sorkin back is to... actually actually known for from a few uh, good men. A few yeah, good men. Right. Yeah. You can't handle the truth. Um, you, can't. you can't. And in this one, it has Sasha Baron Cohen. Like he, he oh God, he says, the trailer you, rules. You can't handle the truth. The truth <laughs> is nice. What sucks is, like, I hope Borat 2 doesn't come out before Trial of <laughs> Chicago 7, because that's really going to fuck up the Oscar chances. But, um, yeah, because you know, it's like, what is he going to win for? Is he going to win for Borat 2, sure. or is he going to uh, win for... Borat was nominated for a Best Screenplay Oscar uh, this year, uh, 2006. <laughs> it's fucked up. 
I don't understand. Oh, a uh, screenplay Chad, Oscar. That is surprising. Yeah. Um, but Chad, Chad, do you know that that's real? Because you're not on Twitter right now. They have no, filmed I know. I've, 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 okay. I've heard it's already filmed and we're waiting. Yeah. I hope it's after. But, but in something. that trailer, Sasha Baron Cohen, like someone. Oh, wait. It's JGL. JGL is the lawyer. Yeah. And mm. ask him something. And Sasha Baron Cohen sits there for a second. And JGL is like, oh, I'm, I'm mad that it took that long to answer. And Sasha Baron Cohen says, sorry, I've never been on trial before for having ideas. <laughs> and the trailer ends. And I'm like, Sorkin. <laughs> it's no, incredible. I mean, he, he says, it I've never so been on good. trial. F- I've never been on trial for my thoughts. Which That's what if- it is. Cody, yes. you recently watched the first season of The West Wing, yeah, where they show. do talk a lot about the reason that hate crimes shouldn't be illegal is because you don't want to prosecute thoughts. Okay, so maybe um, not great, but you know, I mean, <laughs> that was twenty years ago, and Sorkin has maybe progressed since then. But yeah, this I movie thought it was looks interesting. awesome. Um, um, but but Chad, there's another part where Sasha Baron Cohen is on trial, and he says, "My rights." I mean, that's the better joke than the truth is nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's a pretty good joke, too. It's something, you know. It's something I'm, I'm going to send Chad the trailer to watch later. Um, Guys, just so you you realize, like I just did, how basic white millennial we are. We have mentioned memes, The Office, uh-huh. and yep. we've all done uh-huh. Borat impressions. <laughs> yep. Uh, and I've talked about how we've talked about a Kaufman movie, Charlie Kaufman, and, movie. A, a Christopher Nolan, a Christopher movie. Nolan movie, and, and talked about how excited we are for a Sorkin movie. <laughs> like also, also we're we're happy to see a live action version of a Disney Renaissance movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And because, we have not started because, hey, talking hey, about do you remember the nineties. <laughs> Yeah, and we still have not talked about the movie we're here to talk about. But that is what we're going to do now when we talk about The Devil Wears Prada. So we're talking about Devil Wears Prada, a good comfort food movie, at least in my opinion. Had you guys seen this movie before? I had not until watching it for the pod. Um, I also have not because I don't like The Devil. And I don't like Prada. Uh, Prada's fine with me. There's some some good movies with the word devil in it. Um, Before the devil knows you're dead. Which I have not seen yet. The elevator movie. There's a new Netflix movie. Yeah, Devil. Uh, (laughs) M. Night Shyamalan's Devil. Um, Uh, Which I don't even know what he had to do with it, really, because he he didn't direct it. uh, He 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 just wrote the screenplay. And pretty, right. and pretty uh, I remember great screenplay. One of Devil my most all distinct, the time. One of yep. my most d- distinct watching a trailer in a movie theater memories is watching that trailer for Devil, yeah. and everyone kind of like being on the edge of their seat, and then it says from M Night Shyamalan, and the entire you could feel like a balloon pop in the room where everyone was like, "Oh, <laughs> it, it's weird how many just." normal people have in their brains right now like doesn't M. Night Shyamalan bad like because that conversation keeps being brought up and I'm like I mean watch his last four movies I don't know he's good but I'm always I'm always happening right after the happening though where he was like Mm -hmm. like peak bad yes yes and after Avatar or The Last Airbender um yeah it's but but it's weird that it's just like normal people have that in their brains and it's yeah. like how, how do you even know that? Um, 
But um, anyway, devil. <laughs> that's 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 what we were talking about. And the she, devil wears Prada. And, and so let's get into Prada. this movie. Who's the devil in this movie? Okay, well, it's clearly the Meryl Streep character. Miranda okay. Priestley. Miranda Her name Priestley. is Priest. So that's actually... Whoa. That actually should tell you that she is a woman of the Lord. And not yeah, the devil. Of the cloth. See, that's my question. Um, um, here's my second question. Where does the name come from? Is it a saying... To me, it has uh, always been this movie, and there's also like a metal band named yes. Devil Wears Prada. Yes, <laughs> and like that kind of. Oh, music. I didn't know about that. I've band. heard, I've heard them before. Um, um, I mean, it's the name of the book. <laughs> Does that help? Oh, right. <laughs> I guess I you don't... can kind of call a book whatever you want to. Yeah. Whereas with a movie, it has to kind of make a little bit more sense, I feel like. Yeah. I, I think it was like, it was written by somebody who is like low-key writing about Anna Wintour. And they were like, okay, she's the devil. But she wears Prada all the time. I don't know. I don't know where the phrase comes from. Um, Ooh, there's a sequel but... to the book. I'm finding out. I'm trying to find out What's where the it title comes Strange. from. And there is a sequel. A strange. It takes place ten years later. They had kind of wanted to make a sequel to the movie for a while, and I just don't know how it would work at all. Well, I mean, um, the book takes place 10 years in the future, so they could still make the sequel mm-hmm. now if they wanted to. I mean, it's about the right. right time. Make it now before it's too late. If you want to. Weird. I don't know. If you, I mean, why not? IP, I mean, it is baby. almost 15 years after that mo- this movie was made. So yeah. But I think it would a be a pretty massive hit. Um, yeah, people are like nostalgic but, for this movie now. Like we said at the beginning of the oh, podcast, sure. there's memes now. Right. So, boys, what is this movie about? Remember? Because now oh, I'm letting we do... you guys try and tell me what the plot okay, is. Okay, so Anne Hathaway needs a job. Okay. She wants yep. to write for papers. And the papers that sure. don't want her yet because she doesn't have experience. So she goes uh-huh. to work for fashion. And at uh-huh. fashion, everyone's mean all the time. And Everyone's so mean because it's fashion, and yeah. you just have to be yeah. mean in fashion. That and is and the also rules. because Anne Hathaway is too ugly to be in fashion. Right. She Anne Hathaway ugly is like the pig. ugliest motherfucker I've ever she, seen, and everybody throws up the second they see her, and she's fucking she is disgusting. Fat. She is out of fashion. She's just a big. Anne fat, Hathaway is ugly. a fat, ugly. Well, is what they tell you this entire movie, and I'm like, mm, but I've seen Oceans Eight. Anne Hathaway um, is maybe but, one of the hottest people. I've seen the Ender Princess Diaries, not just the yeah. beginning. Yeah, this was an era. And Hathaway this was an era where she so consistently gorgeous. played a person who was supposed to be ugly and then became pretty. <laughs> that was like her thing. And she's never ugly in the beginning Ever. of any Anne of these Hathaway movies. is breathtaking. So okay, so you got ugly. Anne. Not to be horny so, on Maine, but she is a pretty lady. So you got ugly Anne, ugly fat Anne, uh-huh. and she's not fitting right. in at her new fashion job. Emily right. is being so mean, and her name is Emily in the movie, and it's also Emily in real and life. And it is Emily it is, Blunt. Huh? To be blunt, that was that made it easy to remember her name. Yep. Makes you think. Makes you think. Uh, so, But she goes down to Stanley Tucci, not Stanley Gucci, but she goes down to Stanley Tucci. 
Oh, God. <laughs> to get clothes. And now that she's wearing clothes, she's very pretty, and she's good and at he, her and, job. And, and Stanley Gucci, and Stanley can, Gucci says, stop, stop whining. You're whining too much. You should accept this because it's good for your career. So shut up. Yeah. Which yeah. is a good message. Right. Women need to shut up in the workplace and just accept <laughs> what the men choose for them. I guess in this case, Meryl Streep is the one that's being a horrible boss, but... Whatever. Horrible bosses. Um, so she kills uh, Meryl Streep um, <laughs> and pins it on Kevin Spacey. End of movie. Yeah. Twist ending. End of movie. It's crazy. Twist ending. Uh, no. Um, she gets she gets clothes, and then she gets really good at her job. So good that she's, goes to that Paris. She's, that she's able to get Harry Potter books that haven't even been released Harry Potter books. Oh, um, the, the huge subplot of this movie is a Harry Potter book getting it delivered, yeah, and it somehow a, still works. Yeah. Uh, um, the the mentalist falls in love with the her. Mentali- with- the mentalist is like, I'm going to solve the crime of your boyfriend being fucking awful this entire movie. <laughs> My psychic powers tell me that you want to fuck. <laughs> and your your boyfriend is Entourage, and he's so annoying in this movie. She dates Entourage and mentalist in this movie. Um, yeah, damn. and then they're she like, she goes and- from HBO to basic network <laughs> TV. But then back to HBO, she ends. She back ends to up HBO. with. Doesn't she end up with Entourage and- again in the end, or does she not? She does. Yes, and one yeah, of, it's horrible. Well, yeah, one of <laughs> Entourage's one of Entourage's friends is gay guy from Mad Men. No, he's not, not gay guy. Gay, from Mad Men. No, he's, he's not, not the gay, gay guy. guy. He's right. just one he's of married the guys. Guy. He's horny guy. He's like the horniest he's, ad guy. <laughs> he's yeah. Hare Krishna guy, right? No, no, yeah, you're thinking of no. uh, uh, it's Harry, Harry Crane. Harry, it is Harry Crane, but the yeah. Krishna guy is um, mm. his last Sal? name is like the first name of uh, it's like a woman's first name, like something Stacy. No, something. I got nothing. So it's not. <sighs> this is him, called Cody watched one and a half seasons. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but no, he's not gay. Salvatore is gay. Salvador um, yes. is the gay character, yeah. But the Krishna guy is a, a third person. <laughs> okay, okay. Roger Sterling. <laughs> I just no. need to Um, yeah, and the 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 madman guy he knows about clothes which is confusing in every scene maybe that's I'm why like, i thought he was gay in madman <laughs> yeah, maybe oh, is but, he supposed uh, to be like gay passing no in this no, no it does, idea it feels like say. him knowing about fashion is like you know the 2006 is meant to point way to of, that yes yeah there was a party scene or at the the, the art show the token African American friend uh, yes. introduces him. She's like, "I want to introduce you to one of my friends or something." Do they ever say if that friend is like a man or a woman? I have no idea anything about her friends yeah. or really her boyfriend. Because you've got and... token black friend, token gay friend, and boyfriend. Yep. That's and... probably what it's yeah. doing. Yes, I think. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell if if the non boyfriend friends were dating or not. I also was confused about that. And guess what? That's because the subplot when she talks to any of those people sucks the yeah, whole it's time. Like it's bad. almost unwatchable. Like it's like those parts literally feel like we've stepped down from like a good mid-level like comedy rom-com. And we've we've digressed into like almost Hallmark or Disney Channel original movie levels of bad. 
I don't know about unwatchable. I mean, the writing isn't great, but I like yeah. all of those actors enough that it's charming. I don't know. Ah, I just, charming, I just, no. It was just bad. <laughs> I I, the I think this movie should have just been the workplace stuff. We don't really need Andy's personal life too much. They want to have the struggle of her losing her personal life, which is why it's in there. Yeah, but I right. think you could do that without having a shitty boyfriend who she ends up with again at the end. Like, he sucks. Yeah, he's very, like, like non-supportive and not understanding of, like... I, don't know. I got some like La La Land vibes like, for out of this movie. Like a little bit, yeah. she doesn't fully end up with him at the end. He moves to Boston. Oh yeah, oh, but she's, they're gonna like make York. it work long distance. Or they're gonna like they're gonna like try, yeah. but they're not yeah. like back to where they were living together in a while. I know she just should have been boning down with the mentalist. Well, no, he was he got. was shitty too. He was like yeah, sleeping true. with her for information or something. I don't know. There's some right. twist. He's fucking her you over know? for. Yes, he was fucking her over to take over. Miranda Priestley not, was going to get fired. Not or Vogue. Something. I think that he not was going to take over, US. but that's unrelated to him fucking her. No. Because hmm. they fuck, and then he's like, oh, by the way, I'm going to like replace your boss. Hey, guys, can you tell it's quarantine when like we can't follow what is happening in Devil Wears Prada? I mean, I fully followed what was happening. Yeah, so it wasn't a confusing more... movie. It's just... I don't know. It just kind of slips away some of those specific plot details because but, the good part is just how the movie feels in certain scenes. Yeah. I mean, I think we can all agree that Anne Hathaway, Emily Blunt, Stanley Tucci, and Meryl Streep are all bringing a, a fucking Mount Rushmore <laughs> of performances in this movie. Yeah. Like, legitimately great performances in this movie. Yeah. Like, they aren't treating it like a schlocky no. kind of just whatever, which they could They're elevating but above they elevate the material. it, and it makes it so good. Especially... It makes the movie really good because the performances are so real. Especially Streep, I think. Like, because she's just electric Her performance in this movie is insane. Yeah. yeah. It is so good it is so pitch perfect it's so calculated just it is such like a intimidating without uh, being like obviously like callous like i don't know being so scary but like not in like an over-the-top quiet yeah, quiet all she has to quiet. do she doesn't yell <laughs> there's that moment which is like a little over the top but i love it where like uh ann hathaway i think it's her second day uh, and she like walks into the office and she's like, sends her out to do something. And then she says like, Oh wait. Uh, and then like, she's like stops in the doorway and she just like looks her up and down from head to toe, just like looking at her outfit. It's like nothing. That's all. Like <laughs> she just wanted to like judge yeah, her quietly. Good. I, I, I Good also part. like the part where Anne Hathaway walks in and Meryl Streep is like, um, so you have uh, you you have no fashion sense and Anna ha- or something like that and Anna Hathaway <laughs> tries to like well uh uh and yeah. uh, Meryl Streep's like no 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 not a question yeah. <laughs> like yeah, it's it just that kind well, of simple yeah. it was not uh, an observation the, not, the, a, not a question the yeah. great like cerulean monologue about how like fashion does matter because fashion like sets the like decides like even if you get your clothes from Forever Twenty One. Forever yeah. 21 is copying someone that's copying someone that's copying someone that's right. copying high fashion. Yeah. So, like, what we decide is important 
yeah. to what you're going to wear in 10 years. Yes. At which point, it's your your stuff will be out of style. Which is also... It's so good. And I, it's also like that classic anyone at like that high level in like, you know, the corporate world is just going to see the thing that they do as like the most important thing no matter what. Like sure, fashion, you right. can call it... Impo- certain people see it as more important than mm-hmm. others. But like... When you're at that level, you're just like your gut, your your whole world revolves around it. Where like you're gonna see it well, as like you, everything. It's almost like and, religious. And this and this movie at times really points that out in regards to the Miranda character, where it's kind of like in order for her to do what she does, she has to believe it's life or death. Mm-hmm. Because why else would you put this much effort into it otherwise? You know? Yeah. Um, like, and it completely and I mean, destroys like, her personal life and stuff like that. Yeah, I think the movie is largely, I mean, it. I don't know if it's about about this, but I think one of the main themes is that, like, you have to care about something in order to be good at your job. So, like, in order yeah. to be good at a job at a fashion company, you have to start to care about fashion. But yeah. if you're if you're like pretending to care about something that you don't actually care about, and that starts to erode at your like friendships, like you know, choosing to put all of your energy into f- your job is going to be good for your job. But if it's bad for your friendships and your relationships, you have to choose. Um, yes, which is, but I still think this movie lands on if a job is bad but it offers good opportunities, stick it out a little bit. But she does I mean, quit a little early. Bit, I don't but, know. But in yeah. in the end, it's kind of like everyone – like Stanley Tucci gets a good opportunity from his job, but then his boss still fucks him over. Fucks him and over like, pretty hardcore, she's, yeah. She's still like a villain at the end of the day because – like, you know, they they give lip service to the fact that, you know, I'm going to protect my people and, like, when the time comes, they're going to benefit from it. But I get to decide right. when the time comes. And I, you know, even though the time has come for Stanley Tucci's character, it's my decision about whether or not he gets that at the end of the day. Yeah. Hmm. Good movie. Kind of. It, I mean, it, bad movie, but, like, I, great parts is the thing. Like, I think it's, like, it's kind of just an average movie. Like, I didn't hate it. Like, it wasn't like, oh, this movie sucks because of all this stuff. Right. There's certainly scenes that suck in this movie, and it's mostly stuff with the boyfriend and the friends away from work. But, yeah, the stuff, like, I mean, the, the one of the final scenes right after... Um, Miranda Priestley's character, or Meryl Streep, Miranda Priestley's character, Miranda Priestley, Meryl Streep's character, got mm-hmm. it that time. Uh, she and Anne Hathaway are riding in the car together after she's like fucked over Stanley Tucci, and she's just like talking about how it's like you know a dog eat dog world. And um, sorry, my dog is barking a lot. Speaking and, of dogs, is he, yeah. is he eating dogs? <laughs> he's yeah. not. He's just barking at dogs that he hears through the window. Um, dog bark dog world. Okay, be good. Um, I'm petting my dog now for the listeners. I can see that. Okay. Oh, great. I'm probably going to delete this out of the podcast. Um, 
But just that that scene where, like, she's just talking about, like, oh, the things you have to do and you'll be willing to do them, too. Like, you've already done them. Like, look what you did to Emily you know, by screwing her out mm-hmm. of the Paris trip, stuff like that. That scene is just, like, unsettling and it's heavy and it's good. Yeah. And it's kind of bringing all everything together to this, like, choice that Andy, Anne Hathaway's character, now has to make for herself. And that shit's great. I love that. But it's just bogged yeah. down by all the not good and dated Yeah, stuff. but yeah, I think I, that, I, like... I, even if the the friend scenes you don't like, there are like four of them in the whole movie. So I think that it it kind of balances out there. Uh, and I, I think, think there's like other the, moments of where like it's not necessarily the gr- the best directed movie. There's right. a couple. I mean, there there's that whole which it fits for a the time and the industry. But there's that the whole like. Lots of lots of like fat references to Anne Hathaway, who is very skinny, which is and yeah. bizarre. Like when I think and of like, if you were to say like, think of a skinny actress, I would say, okay, Anne Hathaway, uh, right? Yeah, and know. the um, and when she goes down like a a size, it's like a big triumphant moment in the movie. Not a huge triumphant moment, but it's I don't a even bit remember of a that part. Well, it's like uh, Stanley Tucci says something like, um, get out of here, size six. And then she looks at him and she's like, four. And then they give each other a high five. Oh, okay. And it's just like. Uh, I, I can great. see that now. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so it's like all the performances work and specific scenes work. I think it loses steam around Paris. I agree with um, that. Like, you are kind of having the intrigue of Miranda being fucked over. You do have that great scene in the hotel room where she's no makeup, upset about the divorce. Yeah. Um, Another great scene. But but then when she kind of comes back from Paris and towards the end of the Paris trip, it really starts. It's like during the crisis of faith stuff that it really starts to like kind of slow down and lose me. And I was like, okay, I'm ready for this to like wrap up. It's like, it's like a Uchi bit too long, a Gucci bit, a Gucci bit too long. Um, Uh, I I feel like Paris is, is like one of the better parts just because there's like, that is when Meryl Streep gets adept. That's when you like, you get the scene of, um, uh, Stanley Tucci realizing that he's not going to get the promotion he he got, and his reaction to that, his just like quiet reaction to hearing that news of like, like bad news yeah, for me, good she'll... news for my boss, is like it felt like is... secession a little bit. Um, sure, in that in that one particular scene, yeah, I mean, I, because, you're right, Mark. Yeah, it kind of did. It's it's about toxic workplace culture, and yeah. Yeah. Be, and like. The whole movie is her becoming more toxic because she's fitting into her workplace and be- being better at her job. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I agree that the boyfriend stuff is is the worst part of it, but it's how you sh- you show what's happening to her. Um, but right. like when when the mentalist like kisses her on the cheek and then her boyfriend dumps her, like that's the that's the shit that's dumb. Like that is yes. the cliche like misunderstanding. Yeah. Right. Um, and it drags down what could have been a much better movie. I think, like, I love Aileen Brosh McKenna, who wrote this movie. She wrote, uh, she co-created Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is a show I love. Oh. Um, but I think, like, the script was, 
that part of the script was weak and like I think if I were to like give notes on it, it would be to punch up the home life. It would be to like mm-hmm. make it anything but just like the bland, obvious thing. Cause that's all it is. Everything that happens is just the obvious thing you expect. And I guess with this kind of movie, there's a bit of a comfort with the familiar and kind of knowing what's going to happen. And even knowing that like they'll get back together in the end is like, I don't know. I guess there's like a comfort yeah. to that. Which I think I mean, is, like, like appealing. This know. is a pretty by-the-books, like, rom-com kind of thing. But instead of, like, a a rom-com where, like, two people meet and then get together, it's like these people are together and then workplace break, tears them apart. Which I think is interesting that, like, it's a rom-com yeah. where, like, the driving force is her job. Um, but the movie which, which isn't don't really a, a rom-com. No, it's not. Like, but it's, 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 it's a... It's it, like a... If, I, I feel it's like kind the, of an anti rom com. I I guess. What do you mean? I, it, I it's mean, like it, you're it, saying it's, it's like the opposite. It's it's kind of like, like you said, the career is driving it, but there is all the elements there. But we're seeing the side of a story maybe we wouldn't normally be seeing in a rom com. We're seeing yeah. all the work I, shit. I, I mean, it's it's a workplace movie, is what it mm-hmm. is. But they try and put a rom-com drama into it that stereotypical cliche of like we break up because of a misunderstanding they drop that in there from a rom-com and this movie isn't a rom-com and i think that's ultimately the problem yeah it refers to it as a comedy drama not a rom-com i i think that like i i used the term chick flick earlier and i think that that term is Mm -hmm. like diminutive but I think that yes. it does kind of, like, fit in that genre and has a lot of those tropes about, like, a misunderstanding breakup, like, you know, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the target audience. And I think that, like, what happened is the they adapted a book that was about this workplace culture and they said, okay, well, you know, it's about fashion. Girls are going to want to see this. What do we do? We make it, like, pretty by the books chick flick. But I think that the, the twist of it, that it isn't a rom-com, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's uniquely about a workplace environment. And that's a, that right. effect on the relationship, as opposed to like, you know, um, you know, people dating and then a misunderstanding about like, oh, I was pretending to be married and uh, I'm not married. But, you know, like that dumb shit is is not there i i just think it's interesting that the 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 motivating and like the the driving force of this is the fact that she wants to be good at her job which i think is is cool and the driving force isn't like i want to be with my boyfriend and i'll I'll quit my job to be with him because that's what keeping me away from him i i completely agree i just don't that 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 is interesting i just think ultimately it just doesn't work um, I think it works fine. See, I I really I mean, don't. I it, I, 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 well, I think fine is. I, I don't think it's. Right. Like I think fine is probably movie. the right word. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's it's fine. It it works I just, fine. <laughs> I just think the stuff at the beginning is so good. Like even the Harry Potter subplot, which should feel really stupid, is still really fun. No, it's it's that moment. 
like when your boss gives you just an impossible task and that is the most like in 2006 that would have been the most impossible task ever to to get a manuscript of an unpublished Harry Potter yeah. book but but then and the reveal of like she's so... like oh I've already made two copies they're bound they're already on the train uh-huh. with the twins this is just for uh-huh. reference like such a yeah. good moment of like I did the impossible yeah. um and I went above and beyond like expectations like yeah, I just, I don't know. I, it, Very I, satisfying. I, I just get a little tired once she's doing super well. Um, but ultimately, it's it's still a fun comfort movie. It's still, like, really good to have on, you know, as you're, as you're watching. And it just is, like, the performances take it to a point where, I mean, it, it's just insane how... I mean, I, I don't know. We, we've we've talked about the performances enough, I guess. But I think that really just makes it so watchable and feels... Because it is, like, cartoony in ways, but it still feels pretty mm. grounded because of the performances. Um, speaking of performances, Best Picture alumni, guess who? Ooh. No okay, one. I'm not looking at the dog. Oh, there's nobody? <laughs> the answer is no one. This, it's been a while since we've had not a single person. But we have a cape check to do. We do have a cape check. So who's there's in our cape Anne, check? Anne Hathaway as Catwoman. And, and The Dark Knight, the Dark Knight Rises. Rises. Very good in that movie, yes. Yeah. There's one does more. Emily, does Emily Blunt have a cape? No. It's a problem. <laughs> we'll discuss yeah. Emily Blunt's Sue, lack of a cape after Sue this. Sue Storm. Sue Storm, eventually. Yeah, probably. Um, with Krasinski being... Right. Reed. Yeah. Um, Come on. He has one of the greatest Stanley scenes. Tucci. Yes. It's got to be him in something. I can't picture oh, him. He's, he's in Captain, Captain America. America. Avenger. He, he is the right. scientist. Right. Yeah, he he's the scientist. scientist. And he has a great... Like, he, he's, mm-hmm. I mean, when is Tucci bad is the question. Like uh, name. He's a, time. a very gentle, kind man in that movie, and he yes. just like kind of thematically lays out like what Captain America's whole thing is. Whole thing is about really... bullies and all of that yeah. stuff. And um, I mean, he's great in the Hunger Games movie, doing like a dial to like nine hundred performance. It's um, the most Stanley Tucci. Isn't he the uh, so dad so in Easy A? Is that right? Yes, incredible. Oh, I haven't and seen Easy A. Oh my god, Easy A rules. It's it it's legitimately 2000, so good. Nine. 2010 bonus app. Uh, bonus app? No, because we'll we're doing it. Jennifer's body. Um, well, I thought that was your actual pick. Was Jennifer's no, body. it's not. It's oh, not. so you're a coward. <laughs> yeah, maybe a bit. Um, I picked Nacho Libre. Man, shut the least up. You can do There's is a good movie Jennifer's in 2009. We we're not we're not uh, okay. we're not arguing about that now. Um, okay. because I'm picking Princess and the Frog, which is a masterpiece. Um, anyway, um, Tucci, he's good. Easy uh, A rules. Him and Patricia Clarkson play the parents, and they are just yes, they're really good. He's great in Julie and Julia. Um, I don't know, like Meryl Streep is in that movie. Yes, and she's very good. I I kind of want to talk about Meryl Streep very briefly because um. We're running terribly close to mine and Mark's bedtime since we are now in the same time zone. Um, and so I feel his tiredness. Uh, and I am still more. three hours uh, earlier. Yeah. Um, so. 
Sorry, guys. It's all right. But Meryl Streep doesn't play villains that often. Like, I feel like Meryl Streep's real-life persona and her persona in a lot of more movies is kind of like the fun, happy person. You know, I that's mean, very the Mamma Mia. On this Dressage County, uh, yeah. she, was, she was definitely a villain okay. in that. To be fair, haven't she... seen that movie. She isn't quite a villain in Kramer versus Kramer, but she's certainly not like the hero of that movie. True. True. I haven't seen Sophie's Choice, but she does not sound like a fun person. (laughs) I mean, that movie is just not fun. She's 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 not not, a villain. She's not Mamma Mia. What's interesting, I think. In doubt, she's not a villain, but she is not fun. Okay, so maybe I'm wrong. I'm just talking about like. Her her real life persona seems so nice and pleasant. Like every time they cut to yes. her during Oscar, she's yes. just like, oh. And in this one, she is just like the embodiment of just like privilege and evil. It's it's really good. Yeah, I think, I think also, she's just a really versatile actress. I think she she's is. Just, she's she's very good. absolutely. Yeah. Hey, guess what? Hot take: Meryl Streep good. <laughs> um, what Meryl Streep movie? Oh, right. There's a Meryl Streep movie coming out this year to HBO Max. Mark, what is it? Steven Soderbergh. Is is we're a, on a cruise. It's, it's called Steven hey, We're on a cruise. It's a Steven Soderbergh movie that is legitimately. It's called Let Them All Talk and is about Meryl Streep being a famous author going on a cruise with her nephew and a group of her friends. The, and it's a Soderbergh movie. <laughs> I have no idea what to expect. It is sounds it like book on club on a cruise goofy like that. <laughs> No, I don't he's know, done with iPhones. He, oh. it, it's it's filmed on like red cameras. Back to normal. He's he's too too and done with the iPhones, huh? Yeah. I, it, I think it's that Diana like, Weist that... and Candace Bergen and it is legitimately it really to me, just hearing the plot, I'm like, that sounds like the movie Book Club, but on a cruise. But then Steven Soderbergh's directing it and um Lucas Hedges is in it, and it's written by um, if you were to do a someone who's club, never written anything, if you were to do a book club sequel that was set on a cruise ship, what would the subtitle be? So, book club two, cruise and cruise cruising for a bruising, <laughs> cruising school splash stick book fair. The better uh, question is what what book would they read on Book Club 2? Wait, I would call mm. it Book Club Beach Reads. That's what I would call it. Beach Reads. That's not bad. What are they reading? Yeah. I feel like you could do better, but it's not Book bad. Club 2 Books on the Nile. <laughs> hey guys, I'm so excited about Death on the Nile. <laughs> I'll see it. I really like the first one. I love movies like little, that. Yeah, it's like a murder movie. It's fun. It's like, hey. Agatha Christie adaptation. There should be more. There should be Agatha what Christie has never done anything wrong. <laughs> except for put the N-word in the title of one of her books. <laughs> yeah. What if they do like a true adaptation of the original and then they were none? Like down to the title <laughs> and down to the They just announce it and you're like... No. Um, <laughs> like you see the trailer and it's like, oh, a murder mystery on an island. Okay. Ah, and it's cool. Like, Ten. Little. <laughs> yeah. No, thanks. Um, here's here's what excites me about Death on the Nile. There's a death and it's on a boat going down the Nile. So and you've good. got that man with that mustache. Army Hammer? Figuring out, putting oh, all the Kenneth clues Branagh. together. 
<laughs> Mr. Policeman, I gave you all the clues. Wee oui, wee. Oui, <laughs> I am. I am. Oh, 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 what is his name? Uh, I am Hercule. I am I am Hercule Poirot. <laughs> Let me twirl my mustache. There's murder most foul He's on got this a- boat. Most people have two twirls on their mustache. The man has four. Like he's got yeah. two per side. I like. Guys, I spent the entire time of out. that first movie and just admiring his mustache. It's like two mustaches that are like braided together. It's quite it's impressive. incredible. And what's it's fantastic incredible. is that the movie also knows how good his mustache is. Like Daisy Ridley's character in the first one says, "I recognize you by your mustache. <laughs> You're that detective from the papers." Uh, my favorite so thing good. about the Death on the Nile trailer is Russell Brand <laughs> looking not like Russell Brand even a little bit. I don't know that I knew he was in the movie. Yes, he he just looks like a person like it's very strange and you have like gal gadot and army hammer i haven't heard from russell brand since he had like a talk show for a minute yeah something oh god i'm so excited about death on the nile movies are back baby we're gonna get on a boat and we're gonna solve a fucking crime um here's the other movie that meryl streep is in later this year for netflix um and that's the prom which is a big adaptation of a broadway musical that she and kind of- am, am i making it up or is she in the french dispatch as well i feel like i remember her name nope she's no. just in the post which is also about a newspaper <laughs> i'm dumb idiot <laughs> i'm very you dumb. are a big demo. Um, but the prom is Meryl Streep, Nicole Kidman, Kerry Washington, Keegan-Michael Key, James Corden, Andrew Rinales, Tracy Ullman. Like, yeah, it's going to be pretty good. Um, Meryl pre- Streep pre- should have pre- been pre- in Cats, pre- man. Mm-hmm. What, what, what's she doing not being in Cats? Making a good career choice per use. Yeah, probably. Um, so some other things about this movie, Meryl Streep was nominated for an Oscar, which rules. I love it when they do things like this. Um, and it also got nominated for best costume design. Oh, we were talking about capes. Emily Blunt was supposed to be Black Widow. Um, but, but there was some weird contractual thing that she had to do and it kept her from being an Iron Man too. Cause Favreau wanted her as... And John Krasinski was considered to be Captain America. Mm-hmm. So if the two of them come back later to be the Fantastics, yep. uh, that'd be, that, that would be pretty fun. When did Iron Man 2? Oh, she was contractually obligated to being. She had already signed on for Gulliver's Travels, that Jack Black the movie. Jack Black. That's oh, what no. kept her from being Black Widow. Yes, that's what it was. I mean, she's very successful. She's fine. She's ha- she has a great career. She's fine. But how much money do you think Gulliver's Travels like cost Nothing. her? I mean, she probably sh- like would she have been in Sicario if she was Black Widow? Probably not. Would she have been in Edge of yeah. the Edge of Tomorrow? Or I mean, she's been in Mary a Quiet Poppins. Place or Mary she's B- been, Poppins. Yeah, she's done know. huge movies. She like, Jungle like I said, she's had a career, um, but like I don't know to be Black Widow in one, two, three. I mean, wow, he's going to count all of them. She's in a lot of them, Chad. It's not like, like seven or eight Johansson movies. hasn't done anything other than Black Widow. She was in uh, Her. She was in Marriage Story. She was in Ghost in the Shell. Oh, for for sure. Like, she could have been in other movies, but would she have been in these specific ones? You know, because some of these movies, like, 
got huge but weren't necessarily huge to begin with. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Emily Blunt's doing fine. I just want her in a Marvel movie like I want most people in Marvel movies. And she's living on that The Office money because her husband is a very rich man. So rich. Well, that's that Jack Ryan money, baby. <laughs> that's that CIA propaganda money. Yeah. yeah. Um, it all is. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, so speaking of money, this movie made $327.9 million on a $35 million budget. I can't do math well, but that's... It's like that's 10 a, times. That's a... Nine, yeah, and a half 10 times. times its budget. Like, that's pretty fucking good. It's got a 75 on Rotten Tomatoes, 3.6 on Letterboxd. That feels about right. Um, good flick. I'm into it. You boys agree? Yeah. The question, yep. though, yep. is uh-huh. do we vote on whether this is better than whatever's the best, or do we just rank our We have. I think it's been. a unanimous no. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> it's we, not better than um, um, the, prestige. the Prestige is what it's up against. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so now we got to put the Prestige up against. Well, Earth first we have to rank sword. all of the 2006 movies, right? Do we do that? Oh, shit, we do do that. Okay, I'll we go first. We have traditionally. We have yeah. traditionally, but I forgot to think about it. So I say it is The Prestige, Children of Men, The Departed, Devil Wars Prada, Nacho Libre. That's my list. Okay, my list is uh, Children of Men Okay, number one. The Departed at number two. Okay. Uh, so I'm down to, I think the prestige and Nacho Libre are a dead tie. Mm, You gotta, you gotta Uh, actually do do something. You gotta rank them. No ties. (laughs) Okay. I will rank the prestige above Nacho Libre. This is a business casual environment. No ties. Uh, sorry. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Uh, and then Devil Wears Prada below, um, Nacho Libre. I like all of these movies. I think yeah. this might be the first year where I like every movie quite a bit. No, there's no way Maybe that's not. true because we started doing good pickies um, well, at some point. So. But also, but the, there's also been like movies you've picked that I don't like or the the Academy has picked a movie I don't yeah, like. Oh, like last sure. year we had Crash. Crash. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, the year before that. What was the you liked award? all of those movies because it was Shaun of the Dead, Incredibles, Internal Sunshine, Million Dollar Baby, Napoleon Dynamite. Okay, yeah. So okay, so it's been an entire year. Since yeah, I've liked you just didn't like 2006 or 2005. Yeah. You liked the rest of yeah. them, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, all of the movies other than this bonus picky beat my pick, which was the first pick of the year. <laughs> so uh, I, yeah. Uh, Mark, what's your rating? Um, Ranking. I would probably go Prestige, Departed, Children of Men, uh, Nacho Libre, then this. So okay. pretty close to Chad's, but flip Departed and Children of Men. Yeah. Got it. Man, I like Children of Men more than you do, I think. You just had to show me the movie. Children yeah. of Men's a great, your pick. great You're welcome. Um, so Very good. Here's the important question, though. Is The Prestige a movie about magicians? Better than Pirates yes, of the Caribbean. It is a movie, but oh, <laughs> a movie with swords and ghosts. You see, oh. you you pause, and it sounded like you asked if the Prestige was a movie about magicians. <laughs> no. and the answer to that is yes. Not a question. Um, <laughs> in the words of Miranda Priestly, um, not a question. Is Pirates of the Caribbean better than the Prestige? Fuck. 
I'm going to say no. I think The Prestige is better. Uh, I'm going to say yes. I think Pirates of the Caribbean is better. Okay, Mark. Oh, man. It's, it's love to me. Sliding vote. Racking my brain, trying to remember if there's any swords in The Prestige. I, I don't think that there are. There Nobody are even swallows types. a sword. There's some ropes. There's some guns. Do they the even catching, do... Catching the bullet's pretty cool. Do they do the trick where they put a sword in the 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 thing where the girl is in a you know they don't oh. do that but they might cut someone in half none of them do but i think they go see a mission that does that early in the movie yeah yeah that, i know that they they they, they talk to someone about the cutting uh, cutting the girl in a half trick yes 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 mm-hmm. yes but is that a sword so you could assume saw? there's some kind of a saw or a sword involved in that. saws and swords are very uh-huh. different chad very different very different hey I'm just saying there's going to be a Blade involved. No, Blade, we didn't cover those movies. We sh- maybe should have. I need to watch them. I've never I seen, them. seen them. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's a Marvel franchise I've not seen. I think I might have to go with The Prestige. Although Man, it's tough. I have been the uh, lone vote, I think, every episode for the past like 10 episodes. And Again, it's yeah, lonely over it's here. Right. Guys, this has nothing to do with what was just decided, but I'll address it in a second. Blade is a movie about a vampire hunter who has a sword. Why have I never watched it? I don't know. It feels like you'd love it. Like, it's got spooky vampires, uh, and it's got cool action swords. swords. It's, uh, isn't it? Okay. And it's Marvel. Del Toro as well. It's also Marvel. Yeah, Del Toro does the second one. I can't wait till New Blade, where Mahershala Ali... <laughs> Has a sword. Man, Sounds good. It is going to be pretty cool. <laughs> it's going to be rad. Okay, so The Prestige is the best movie of our lifetimes, which is so far. fascinating. I guess. Um, I <laughs> if you look at my personal ranking and Mark's personal ranking of 2006, uh, at least two movies are better than it. No, I yeah, put Prestige weird, at the top. Huh? Yeah, he put Prestige at the top. Wait, you did? I thought you put The yes. Departed. No, Prestige, uh. Departed, Children of Men. Man, yeah. y'all like that movie more than me. Yeah, I think yeah, it's, it's good. Really it's good. good, dog. I just don't ever think a Christopher Nolan's movie is going to be the best know. movie of all time. But I know. It's going to be bad if that's the result. I mean, we're I, not going to allow that result to happen. I, I would be mad at our podcast a little bit. I honestly think that there are going to be plenty of things that beat the prestige. I'm just tired I mean, of being complaining year... about, about pirates beating Titanic, which is honestly pirate uh, yeah. slander. Um, next year so this is, mostly is just to the shut year. You guys up. Next year is the year that No Country for Old Men comes out, and that is the movie that I have said from the beginning that I think will beat anything from my perspective i love i mean we have to get through 2017 and 2007 like some of the best years for movies in my opinion um and like several other pretty good years like yeah we we're not even halfway done with the show guys like (laughs) things could turn around do we need to pick up the pace Uh, a little bit (laughs) like not waste our time on these bonus episodes maybe beat us up by like Uh, one fifth they're nah, fun. Though. These bonus episodes are yeah. fun. They're fun. They're fun. When Maybe else would we talk about the, the the world, divorce product or <laughs> or uh, you know other movies that we've talked about like Sahara and Napoleon Dynamite? Yeah. Um, 
Hey, guys. Where can people find you on the internet? And what's a movie that you're excited about coming soon? Because guess what? Movies are still coming. Chad, you go first. Yeah. Um, you can find me at Chad A. Oliver on Instagram and Letterboxd. Um, I would say my most anticipated movie of the year is still... Now try and keep it like coming sort of soon. Well, when is the French Dispatch release date? When is that moved to? Not... Close. close. They've pushed it somewhere in 2021. I am not sure. I'm really excited about The Mandalorian Season 2 coming up. That's not a movie, but that's something to watch. I'll take yeah. it. It's October. It's yeah. like uh, it's late October, but yeah, yeah that's I'm really fine. excited about I'll that. I'll take it. I'm excited to see a trailer for it. Yeah, that'd be fucking nice, <laughs> wouldn't it? And, and you can find happy. him at Chad A. Oliver on Twitter and Instagram that's, and Letterboxd. He already yeah, said you it. Can't, he said it at the but beginning. You can't find I just wanted to reiterate. He's a, he's a good follow, even if it's just to go Except back and read the old tweets. Except he's not on Twitter right yeah. now. Um, yeah, I said I, even if you're just going to go back and read the old tweets. <laughs> you you <laughs> can't sorry, do that. Mark, the account's sorry. been deactivated. Yeah, he Is deactivated this, it. Uh, wow. Wow. How will we ever Canceled. know if anything's Brexit? <laughs> That's a fair point. That is a fair point. He is. Um, um, I'm toying Mark, with the idea of coming back under a pseudonym, but if I do that, I'm not going to tell you what it is here. So try to find it. Yeah, and if you come back on a pseudonym, don't follow any political accounts and just follow fun movie news and your friends. And then no, I'm not even going to follow my friends. Experience. Just like that's fair. You're a. You'll still just see like, political okay, Deadline Hollywood. Nobody. No, but nobody gives me likes anymore. It's. Frustrating. Anyway, uh, I gave you likes all the time back when I was on there. <laughs> I know. I'm missing it. I think Mark gave me a like the other day. Mark, I give you likes when it's where good. Where can people find you? Uh, yeah. You can find me at Wellington Mark uh, on all social media platforms. You can also maybe find me in the theater uh, watching The Personal History of David Copperfield, a movie that I almost mm. saw this weekend because I, I figured it would be a guaranteed empty theater. Yep. COVID free. I, I I debated about going to that one too, and they were only playing it at the Disney Springs Theater. They weren't playing it at the one close to me. It was playing at all I of my local theaters. Oh, Disney Springs! You must have recently moved, Cody. Oh yeah, I did move to Florida. It's no big deal. I've already specifically been to or- Orlando with a mask. Yeah, Orlando specifically Disney my dream town. Disney Town, Florida. Um, yeah. I've anyway. been in the parks. So it's fine. Um, okay. So I am Cody Lunsford, and you can find me at Cody Lunsford underscore on Twitter and Instagram, and find me at Cody Lunsford on Letterboxd, a movie that I'm excited about. I kind of have two The Devil All the Time on Netflix, which presupposes hey, what if the entire cast was British, but we made them speak with Southern accents, and it's in Alabama, and Bill Skarsgård is. Tom Holland's dad and Robert Pattinson's a crazy preacher. I don't even know what the movie is about, but it looks good. And then The Nest. I don't know if you guys have heard about that movie. It's opening limited, so I don't know that we'll actually be able to see it pretty soon. Um, but it's Jude Law and Carrie Coon. Um, and it's like Jude Law is like a very like greedy dude who moves his entire family to England. And then shit goes bad. I don't know. 
that that that's basically the um rough premise but it came out at sundance and a lot of people liked it there and it's supposedly opening limited soon and people say it's really good so i hope i can see that soon um but uh we'll see i hope carrie coon gets an oscar campaign that's all i really want um to make up for never winning for the leftovers which is a <laughs> sin yeah um, i mean she's incredible in that <laughs> like so good and she didn't win an oscar for playing proxima midnight <laughs> which is i don't know why she was proxima midnight it's a, it's anyway, a weird um, choice i mean she she's fine it's yeah, just she's bizarre fine. she has like one it's line she says like something about dying alone to yeah one of the ladies scarlet witch Maybe. And then Black um, but Widow anyway. says she's not alone and then like shoots her head or something. I don't know. Something, something like that. that. Um, but anyway, thanks everyone for listening. Um, and don't forget to like Mark, and subscribe. The... Yes, please. Mark, what is the best movie of our lifetimes? It's uh, The lifetime. Prestige. Uh, Chad, what's the best movie of our lifetime? Oh, the best Up to of our lifetime. Up until the year 2006 is... The prestige in it. Oh, Cody, what is yeah. the best film of of the of our lifetime? It is up, the un, up until the year two thousand six. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Um, you've said more lines than you say in the entirety of Tenet, Michael Caine. <laughs> He's um, in Tenet. <laughs> He for is. literally one scene, <laughs> like maybe three lines. Awesome. Um, he literally does not okay. stand up in tenant. <laughs> no, he is seated the entire time. Um, you know, and he's like eating a fancy meal. You, you, do, do you guys know a cheat to, to sound like Michael Caine? Um, saying his name. Saying his name, but saying my cocaine. My cocaine. My cocaine. Um, so... The best movie of our lifetimes thus far is The Prestige. Remember, everyone, you think this has nothing to do with you. You go to your closet and you select, I don't know, that lumpy blue sweater, for instance, because you're trying to tell the world that you take yourself too seriously to care about what you put on your back. But what you don't know is that that sweater is not just blue. It's not turquoise. It's not lapis. It's actually cerulean. And you're also blithely unaware of the fact that in 2002, Oscar de la Renta did a collection of cerulean gowns. And I think it was Yves Saint Laurent, wasn't it? Who showed cerulean military jackets. I think we need a jacket here. And then cerulean quickly showed up in the collections of eight different designers. And then it uh, filtered down through the department stores and then trickled on down into some tragic casual corner where you, no doubt, fished it out of some clearance bin. However, that blue represents millions of dollars and countless Jobs. And it's sort of comical how you think you've made you think that you've made a choice that exempts you from the fashion industry when in fact you're wearing the sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room from a pile of stuff. Next episode, we watch the movie that I always get confused with No Country for Your Old Men. There will be blood. Uh, it's on Netflix for your streaming enjoyment.